Alabama, I'm on my way to another victory. Hey Amen. Give somebody a knuckle bump real quick and you can be seated. We're just going to flow around here for just a minute. Aren't you guys, aren't you guys happy with the worship team? It's awesome. It's turned into a, like a 24-hour job, though, when you get up on the platform, you're here. Uh, I, I want to put a scripture up, 2 Timothy 2. Paul's writing, you know, to Timothy. Paul's an older guy, and he's writing to a younger guy. I mentioned this, uh, I don't know, last week. Um, it's, not, it's not odd to me that an older guy is speaking to a younger guy. What's odd is that a younger guy is receiving from an older guy. Huh? Any of you guys ever tried to talk to like one of your kids? And, uh, and I, just, I, just, I just want to point this out that it's, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, because you hear a lot about the, about the different age groups and, and the millennials and, and uh, uh, you know, some of the older, more seasoned uh, people struggle with the younger and, and we want to say that there's something wrong with these millennials because, you know, I mean, it's just different mindset. See, a millennial really thinks that he uh, uh, doesn't ac- actually have to have a job. And that someday, without any effort on his part, he will be rich. And it's hard, it's hard for like a baby boomer or somebody like that who, who has some experiential knowledge to understand the thought process of a millennial. Uh, and so quite often there's a, there's a wedge that's driven relationally because, uh, you know, the, the, well, the millennial just thinks different and they have different definitions for different words. And, you know, it, 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 if, if you say uh, the, the word ownership to a, to a baby boomer, uh, they hear a different word than when you say ownership to a millennial. A millennial hears the word ownership and they see opportunity. Whereas a baby boomer hears ownership and he hears responsibility. And it's not that the millennial doesn't want responsibility. It's just that's not the first thing that comes into his mind. He just sees the opportunity. And, and the baby boomer doesn't recognize the opportunity until he has embraced the opportunity. And so they're talking, but they're, they're using the same words, but with different definitions. And, and it becomes frustrating for both parties. But the reality is, is that the older of, of, of them, and in this case is the point that I want to make, is that Paul's the older one, and he's taken an initiative, and he has invested in the life of the younger to the point that the younger is able to receive from the older. And, and, you know, and some of us that are no longer young, in the sense of we're past the millennials, you know, we want the millennials to adapt to our way of thinking. Well, we need to earn the right to speak into their life so that they'll receive from us because they are the future that we are going to release on the face of this planet. And, and he's, Paul's making a statement and he says, my son, and there's a relationship there. It's, it's, not, it's not that, hey, uh, uh, the, the, you're an acquaintance, but no, you, there's a relational connect. My son. 
My son, listen, listen to what I'm saying. Be strong in the grace. And how many know that grace, this, this, it's like your grace gift that he's talking about. You've been gifted by God. Listen to me, church. Every one of you have been gifted by God. You've been equipped by God. You've been uh, assigned by God. You've been ordained by God. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ. And you rise up in your strength and be who God has called you to be. Don't you, don't you dare back down and get weak and cave in, give up and quit. You got to step up and you got to, you know what? You got to step up. You got to step in and you got to be willing to die, right? You got you to lay it on the line. And in verse two, he said, here's what I need you to do. The things that you've heard from me, take that and commit it to other faithful men that can, that can teach it to others also. And let's start multiplying what God's doing. See, a lot of us, we've been listening, we've been receiving, we've been, we've been getting a deposit, but it's not just for you. you got to think bigger than you. See, God has need of you, right? It, it, it's bigger than you. It ain't all about you. It doesn't stop with you. And, and that's, that's what we got to get our, our head wrapped around. And so in order to do that, and Paul's just telling him, man, this Christian lifestyle that you've engaged in, look at verse three, here's the thing you're going to have to do is you, you, therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier. You must, it's not, you will, it's you must, you must, because God is going to, God is going to lead you into places that you, you, you probably wouldn't go there had it not been the spirit of God leading you there. You do realize that it was the spirit that led Jesus into the desert to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights. It was, it was, it was, you know, Jesus is out there. He's been led of the spirit into the wilderness and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And isn't it interesting that after 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, the Bible says he was hungry. Dude, some of you guys can't go 40 minutes. Okay. It's weird to me that the Bible has to throw that in there so that you don't miss this. He was hungry. I think we could probably figure that out, but there's something there that we need to see. He was hungry. He was hungry. And then here comes, here comes the enemy. Here comes, you, you know, Slewfoot. Right? Here, here comes the devil. He's going to start messing. When does the enemy start messing with you? Usually, you know, when, when at, at, a, at a moment where you're not at your best, you're a little bit weak, a little bit tired, a little bit run down. I mean, I don't have most, the evil thoughts that I have don't happen in church. It's easy to go without sinning during a service. It's in the parking lot that the temptation begins to flare up. Which, by the way, which, by the way, something really cool has happened. I was telling Shelby about it. Something, something really cool has happened because uh, uh, just between man camp, between, you know, man camp and, and now, uh, God was, been, you know, he's just starting, he's talking to me about some stuff and just some, just some certain things in my life. He, and, he, and he just said, cut that off and move that and rearrange this. And I'm like, okay, you got it. And, and, I, and it just struck me this week because I, I had several opportunities that normally would have, I would have responded radically differently. I mean, my response would have been radically different than it was. And it just, and a little bell went off and God said, hey, you don't have that problem. So feel free to honk. Feel, feel, I mean, you might not think that's anything, but dude, I'm telling you, that's something. You feel free to honk. Don't bother me. There, there was a season I would have got out and thrashed you, but now I don't care. 
I walked into a store. I was calling Shelby. I was talking to Shelby on the store and the guy in the counter. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not supposed to talk on the phone when you're buying a bag of peanuts. I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. And he cursed me out using words that, and I'm thinking, and I'm standing there in shock. Not that he's talking to me that way, but that I don't care. I mean, I'm like, what's that about? And God's like, hey, there's, a, there's, there's these levels of freedom that I want to I pull you to. I mean, it, it, you might, well, what's the big deal? You're buying peanuts. Exactly. And that guy's still alive. And, I, and I'm just like, I mean, it's nuts because I, I'm, I'm like having these breakthroughs in my life. And he's like, but see, you must endure hardship. You must endure. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 is amazing to me. Uh, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. See, a lot of times we're doing life to please ourselves. You know, we're making decisions. Well, because this, this, this makes me happy. This is important to me. And God's wanting you to, to stop and say, God, what's important to you? See, it's easy to give him the stuff that you don't care about. I know it's Saturday night, but come on, you're not that wiped out. It's easy, it's easy to give him the stuff that you wish you didn't have to even deal with. But when he starts asking for things you like, now we're going to find out where your heart's at. See, because there's some things that we cling to. No, that's mine. That, that's just mine. You know, I mean, that's just been a part of who I am. And, and I was, you know, I grew up with this. And th this has been, this has been my, my, uh, my existence and my identity. And this is, I'm comfortable with this in my hand. But God's might be going to want to talk to you about that and say, what I want you to do is to lay that down. See, because you, you live in the ashes of defeat long enough. And guess what? You don't realize that that's where you're at. And, and it's, it's from the ashes of defeat that he wants to elevate you and lift you up. And, and he, wa he wants to show you uh, victorious. He wants to show you as a conqueror. He wants to show you as a warrior. And, and, the, and the fact is, is that you have been empowered by God to deal with conflict. You know, remember Samson? And, and, and you know, Samson was made different than Goliath. You know, everybody looked at Goliath and they were, and, and they were fear stricken because that, we're talking, this, this dude is big. You know, and, and I mean, he, he's carrying weapons that weigh more than a Filipino. You know what I mean? He's got some stuff. But Samson, remember when they, remember Samson, he was just an average guy. Matter of fact, because they didn't know where his strength came from. When they looked at him, they, they went, nah. What's going on in your world, man? 
Because I, I got news for you. I can look at you. I can look at you and tell that you shouldn't be having this kind of influence. You shouldn't be having this kind of, this kind of success. You, and see, God wants to use people like that. that, that when, the, when they look at you, when, when the world looks at you, they're, go, they're confused. Because how can somebody, man, I look at you and I don't see, I don't see a giant slayer. I, I, I don't sleep, you know, anybody up on top of the world. I just see an average guy. Matter of fact, you're kind of like a, like, like, like a weenie in certain areas. But yet God's doing great things through his life. See, there was something special about Samson. I don't know if you know the backstory, but Samson's mama was one of them women that was barren. Samson's mama was one of them women that, that begged God for a child, and 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 uh, you know, and she 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 wasn't producing, but God granted her wish. And because of that, she made a deal, and she she put Samson in, in a place where uh, you know he 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 was in a covenant with God from the from the time he was born. And see, and some of you guys, some of you guys, listen to me. Somebody made a deal with God already before before your birth, and maybe it wasn't your natural birth. Maybe it was your spirit birth. God, just just give us these. Just give us these sons, these daughters. Bring them into the kingdom. See, somebody was probably praying somewhere. They're speaking, you know, they're using the Bible. They're probably speaking to the north. Give up and to the south. Hold not back and to the east and the west. Release the seed of the living God. And God honored that word and he responded to it. And now here you are, a child of God. Look at somebody tell them, I am a child of God. The Bible says that you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people that you might rise up and show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and translated you into the marvelous light of his dear son. You're not a normal guy, but people look at you and they don't see what's so special, but you're not, you're not average because you have a power in you. There's something in you that God's wanting to stir up. You know, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has now quickened your mortal body. You walk around, you got God in you. Said you got God in you. You have God in you. I mean, it's nuts if you think about it. I mean, we try to make it all really soft and fuzzy, and like, stay, let's be politically correct, you know. And 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 and, and because you know the spiritual stuff gets pretty weird, don't it? And and uh, tell you what, let's do. Let's just let's just let's just say that if somebody has the, uh, you know, if they're filled with the Spirit or empowered with the Holy Ghost or something like, well, don't use Holy Ghost because that's kind of weird. Let's say Holy Spirit. That's prettier right? That's prettier. And, and, and if anything weird happens, just tell them uh, that's a prayer language. Let's make it sound as nice as we can, a prayer language so that you can go someplace, be really quiet and be alone and use your prayer language, but don't get strange. Dude, I'm walking around with God in me. I'm being intimidated by somebody who doesn't understand. Dude, I don't understand, but I'm going to tell you what, there are moments in life when you need the power of God operating in you. I, was it Wednesday? Wednesday night, I was, I was talking about camp meetings that we, you know, man, I, you know, I didn't have a normal childhood. 
and, uh, and raised up in church. We had tents, and we traveled with tents, and we did two-a-day meetings, and we, had, we saw stuff that people today don't even want to talk about. Then nobody believes in this stuff. You know, and, and you know, uh, demonology, one of the worst things you ever do is study that. Don't study demonology. Just trust me. You have authority in Christ. You, no, nothing that devil can do can harm you. Okay? But uh, uh, there, there was a season where, uh, you know, I thought it'd be interesting to study that stuff. And then all of a sudden, every place we went, they were popping up out of the woodwork. And, and to be honest with you, it's really odd. And, I, you know, I don't want to freak you out or nothing, but i got to tell you something. You know, I, there, I've been in situations where I needed a little bit more than a personal prayer language. Okay, because, uh, and uh, I, I was telling the other night about when, when we had, remember that woman? What was her name? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Elaine, Elaine. And four men are holding Elaine. And she's like, yeah, it's not her, but you know the devil is like messing with this poor chick, and and she's she man, she was a little bit of nothing. She's a little tiny scrawny thing, and it took four men to hold her down. And sometimes she'd fling them off, and the pew that they were on was twenty feet long, big old wooden pew in the middle of a, a tabernacle with a sawdust floor, and and voices are coming out of her, and and and, and, and I mean honestly, honest to God, the first time that thing said, you know, I'm not leaving, and I'm thinking, okay, cool, I will. You know, cause I'm like, dude, that's just nuts. My favorite part, though, is when, when, when that thing just, it, I could tell something was about to happen. And all of a sudden, this Elaine, oh, man, she, she lays back and she's, and here comes this big old, big old, I mean, it's like a fire hydrant of spit. And I ducked. And Keith was there. Got him. <laughs> There have been moments in my life I had to have a little bit more than something uh, soft. Just saying. Uh, I did a meeting one time. A friend of mine, a friend of mine, uh, he applied for a church because they, they, one of his friends had uh, moved. And uh, their church was getting a new pastor and the denomination that they were in, uh, they put these things out and anybody that applied was going to get to come preach. And so they sent it to him. They thought it'd be funny because uh, he was, he was a pretty radical guy and the church was way out in the country, a little Baptist church. And, uh, uh, and so he applied and they invited him to come and he went and he preached and they liked it. They loved this guy and they hired him with some stipulations and they said, here's the deal. Uh, you can preach, but some of the stuff that you believe in, you can't, we don't want you to do. We really like this about you. But we don't want you to, you know, we don't want you to like talk about it. And he's, you know, and they get, and they gave him some guidelines, and he's like, you know, he just felt like that was God, and so, he, uh, so he 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 signed up, and he he took the church, and and I can't remember. There's three or four hundred people coming to this church out in the middle, just outside of Cave Junction, and it's a little tiny town, but pretty good sized church for that area, and and, and he'd been there almost a year, and he called me up, and he said, hey man, will you come down and and uh, and do a do a do a one night meeting for me? And I said, sure. And he goes, because man, I just need you to come preach, I need you to go crazy, because there's stuff they won't let me do, but they said you could come do it and I'm like okay you know and I, we're all into town and, and, and uh, that night I preached and at the end end of the message and God had spoke to me he said at the end of the message you know here's what I want you to do so I gave an altar call and everybody that is not right with God and you're going to get right with God and I want you to stand to your feet and 75% of the people stood up and I had them sit down and I said okay let's, let's, let's narrow this down a little bit because uh, God already told me to pray for every person that stands so let's see if we can narrow this down 
I'm talking about people who have sin in their life that needs to be repented of. And, and, and I mean, if you were to die right now, you'd probably burn in hell, but you're ready to make it change. And they all got back up again. Okay, come forward. So they came down, and I mean, there were people that was lined up all over the place. God already told me to lay hands on everybody, every one of them and pray for them. And, and dude, you know, uh, now it's a Baptist church. I, I couldn't get to them, and they were like passing out. I would walk up there, which, by the way, if you don't know what that is, what, what is that being slain the spirit thing? The Bible says that there were moments when the presence of God would become so thick that the priests could not stand inside the temple. And, and let me explain it to you this way. It's just a real good, at least in my brain, uh, you, you know, you, how many of you know what a, what a uh, circuit breaker is? You know, and sometimes you apply too much power. Shelby and I had a, had a microwave in the house. We had to have uh, Gary Busick come over and, and, and put, a, put a whole new plug in for us. Because every time she turned the microwave on, the, the, the lights in the bathroom would go off. You, you know, it blew the fuse. Every time, every time you, you pop and break the fuse. Why is it breaking the fuse, Gary? Because too much power is hitting it. Sometimes that's what happens when people are, are, are in a prayer line or something. And, you know, it's, that's just how I see it. It's like, a, like the breaker pops. And poof, they go, who cares, man? It, well, I didn't fall down, so what? But that night, and it's in a Baptist church, and I think the reason God was doing it is because they don't believe in any of this stuff. You know, and, and it's everybody, I mean, and whoever wasn't like in the prayer line was standing up against the outer walls looking for a way out. But they couldn't go anywhere because it's just too weird. And, and, and they came up to me at one point and they said, hey, uh, there's a lady over here you need to come pray for. And I'm like, why, why do I need to come pray for her? And, and he said, because she, well, she just growled at us. And I'm like, well, why do I have to pray for her? And he, and, and he said, because they told me I can't do this stuff. You have to. And we're in the middle of a, you know, and there's stuff going on that people don't believe in. And sometimes I think that God just does stuff like that just to prove to you that he, he's God and you're not. But there are moments in your life when you're going to need a little bit more than some soft, simple thing that you can explain over a cup of tea and not feel too weird about it. Why? Because you're going to endure conflict. Right? There, there, is, there, there, is, a, there is an assignment that hell has. And it's not, it's not really towards you, but it's the purpose of God that's being fulfilled through you. See, in Jeremiah, when he said, he said, before, before I formed you, I knew you. And, 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 and it really relates to the fact that God had a dream about the future. He saw where you were going to be the perfect fit. He shaped you, molded you, equipped you, empowered you, and he put you right there to use you. But, you know, it's like we've been, like we've been learning that, you know, like Jesus said, when you go into that town and you find the colt, loose it and bring it to me because it, it, I have need of thee. And God needs you, but he has to loose you first. And he needs to loose you from your fear and your doubt and your unbelief. And he just has to loose you from all of that stuff so that he can use you to fulfill his purpose. And it's like when, when Samson was walking along and, and a young lion came out and roared against him and, and he ripped him in half, though he had nothing in his hand. Right? Nothing in his hand. And a lot of us, what we want to do is find something to get in our hand. Or there's something in our hand we won't let go of. 
There's something in our hand that we want to hold tight to. That's where we find our security. You know, this is, this is what makes me feel, this is my identity. No, no, no. Your identity is in Christ. He wants to loose you and set you free so that you can be used by God to demonstrate Satan's defeat. And so, and, and, and it's not going to be in your strength. See, it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so God wants to pour himself into you to the point that it causes you to be emptied of you so that you can be filled with him so that when the devil shows up, you don't run off. You just look him in the eyeball and say, under my feet, not in my house. Hello, somebody. See that sickness, that disease, that poverty, that, that, that mindset that's wreaked havoc in your family. You get to be the one that stands up and says, not in my house. Because we're servants of God. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer dictated by fear. I don't, I don't cowtail to, to what the world says. I'm sorry. You know, but guess what? God is alive and well. And he's going to bring revival into areas of your life. Because somebody had a dream. Somebody had a vision. Somebody prayed you. I promise you. Somebody prayed you into the kingdom. Somebody believed God for salvation to come to your house. Now here you are, born again, just like Sammy's mama. And she made a deal with God. And there was a Nazarite covenant that she entered into. And there were things in his world that he probably would have loved to touch, but he couldn't because of that covenant. And God wants to bring you back to the place where you say, you know what, God? You want something from me? You can have anything you want. Anything I got in my life that you want, you can take it. And he just starts working. And what will happen is you'll be standing in a little store in the middle of nowhere. little tiny market in Shanico. And some two-toothed bearded crazy man will start belligerently cussing you out. And you'll look at him and the, thing, the thought that will go through your mind is, you need God. You'll hear people honking their horns and you'll laugh. Because the button that the enemy used to use has been disconnected. That the, 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 the thing that you used to be afraid of is no longer an issue. The, the thing that used to paralyze you. you you're going to look back and you're going to realize that things you used to stumble over, you just walked over. And you almost didn't even notice it was there. I'm telling you, God's taken you to a place where he can demonstrate his victorious power because it's not about your victory. It's his victory. It's his victory. See, a lot of us, oh, I can tell this is going to be a good line. A lot of us have compared ourself to our circumstance instead of comparing our circumstance to our God. See, because who I am and wh- what I have, dude, I, don't, I can't even take a horn honking. But when I compare that to our God, 
oh my God, up out of the ashes of defeat, he's going he's gonna to cause you to rise. <laughs> he's going to pull you into a place where you demonstrate his victory in your life, in your home, in your body, in your finances. I want you to stand to your feet real quick. By your spirit. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King. Just let him do a work in you. Resurrected me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. Your victory. The resurrected King is resurrected. By your spirit, by your spirit, I will rise. I will rise. The ashes of defeat. Mm -hmm. The resurrected King. Always resurrected. Resurrecting me. I come alive. So just close your eyes for just a minute. There's areas of your life where dreams, maybe they've been, maybe you'll let them go. Maybe, maybe it was a promise that you thought was taken from you. But there's an area of your life that needs resurrecting power. And you want God to, to resurrect it. It's a vision. It's a hope. It's a, it's a purpose. It's a destiny. And God wants to bring restoration to, to you tonight. God wants to make you whole. God, God wants to deliver you. He wants to, he, he wants to uh, uh, liberate you. He wants to set you free. And he wants to, uh, to allow his victory to be seen in you, through you, for you, amongst you, by you. 
And there's a hundred different ways you can get there. Tonight, you can stand right where you are and just lift up a hand and begin to receive from God. Or, or you can step out and you can come to the altar and you can say, okay, I'm going to allow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to do a work in me tonight because I'm ready to be resurrected. There's something that has died and it's time for it to come back to life in me right here and right now. And I refuse to take another step without the breath of God being released inside of me that no matter what it is that God wants to do that life would flow there in areas of my life resurrect me God come on some of you need to step out you just need to come press in here thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to let it go. I, I, I'm not going to let it down. I, I'm, I'm not, not, not going to let it slide. I, no, I'm not okay. I need the power of God to operate in my life in a fashion that when the world looks at me, they no longer see me, but they see his victory through me. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I need that victory to be seen in my life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit flow.
Check this out. Uh, have you ever wondered? Anybody in here read your Bible? Any Bible readers in here? Uh, ever wondered why? Remember in the remember the early church, Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, they're the couple that decided that you know, hey, uh, we're selling this property, and you know, we were going to give everything you know, to the church, but let's just give a part, keep something back and not tell anybody. See, and we all think that, 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 that this is about an offering, but really it's not. And Ananias and Sapphira, if you don't know the story, they went in one at a time and, 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 and uh, they kind of had a little issue because the response of God was crazy. Have you ever wondered, because, you know, and if you don't know what happened, here's what happened, is the, the man of the house steps in and he says, uh, here's, here's the portion that we're bringing in. And they said, is that everything? And he said, yep. And they said, are you sure? He said, yep. And poof, he fell down dead. And so they picked his dead body up and they took it out. And while they were still taking him out, his wife showed up. And, and they said, oh, uh, was that everything? Uh-huh. Are you absolutely sure? Yes. And poof, she's dead. And, uh, and by the way, when the rumors spread that, uh, that, that these two people had died, it, everybody got really... Uh, excited about that yeah there was a new sense of repentance that was birthed in the house and uh that repentance (laughs) led to to a revival which led to a harvest which led to an established you know work which and and there was a cycle there have you ever wondered though uh dude have you ever lied 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 have you ever lied? Have you ever lied? Liar, 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 liar. It's a good thing we're having an altar call. Okay. The Bible says that all liars shall have their part in the lake, and that ain't Tahoe. Okay. No, what, what, what's, with this, what's with this killing people's thing? And, and see, well, these, this couple, uh, this couple they, they were in the upper room. They were part of the 120 in the upper room. You know, we're, we're talking about, there's supposed to be 500 people there. Did you know that? There's 500 people that were supposed to be there. But it didn't happen at the rate of speed that they all wanted to. By the time the, by the, time the Spirit came, they were down to, you know, 380 individuals were too busy. So we're down to 120 because the service went too long or something. And down to 120. And this couple was in that room. And, and, but what is, what, go read it later. It says that what they did is, is that they held back what they had said they'd give to God. And, and because they were leaders, because they were core, there was something that was going to be released into the culture of the church that God said, can't allow it. And so death came. And that death was so shocking that it, that it, that it caused a repentance. And, and, and uh, you, you know, the one thing about God is that he might kill you, but he will also resurrect you. 
And, and you know, and as I'm praying with people, I'm just realizing that what we do not want to do, don't hold back. You see, when, you, when you're saying to God, okay, God, I'm going to give you anything, I'm gonna, don't hold back. Because that's what got us to where we are, is because there's areas of our life we've withheld. When we said, no, I'm a wholehearted servant of God. When we said, no, I'm all in. I'm all in with you, Jesus. But we hold back. And now we're in a position where we need a reviving experience. We need a revival. God, by his spirit, is bringing life back to the dreams and the promises. God, we celebrate you. Let's lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify you. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We're not going to be a people who withhold. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord.
I think what we ought to do is just give God a shout and a praise. Come on, somebody. Give God a victory praise. Give God a victory praise. Come on, give God a victory praise. He's not backing down without getting his hand in your life. He refuses to cave in, give up, and quit on you. He's coming after you. He's coming after your dream. He's coming after your purpose. He's coming after your future. He's coming after you. God, you are relentless for me. Hallelujah. Somebody shout glory.